Join us, friends. Great Scott, Spock guy. Do they know what we have in store for them? They will if they tighten up. And don't double dribble. To the Grey Ghost, Spock guy? Exactly, old chum. No time to waste. To the Grey Ghost. We have not a minute to spare. It's showtime, friends. All right, all right, all right, all right. It is the Spock guy, and it is... Globe trotting with Trey. And we are not, for 2024, mm-hmm. wishing Cotton was a monkey, but we know that there are a lot of people that are. A lot of people, Trey, in 2023, man, there was wishing Cotton was a monkey just running rapid. Yeah, but in 2024, I think some of those people, they're not going to be wishing Cotton was a monkey anymore. I so think it's going to be a great year, Spa Guy, and that's all. So. <laughs> And uh, we're hoping for big things for 2024. This is, by the way, season two of Wickwam, Wishing Cotton Was a Monkey, episode one. Last year, we did, we didn't start at the beginning of January. We started a little bit later. So last year, we did 47 episodes out of a possible 52. Mm-hmm. This year, we're planning on doing 52 out of 52. Yeah. Unless you think we're going to take a couple of weeks off. Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> That's right. So... Uh, we've got a lot of really cool things planned for this year. A lot of great guests, a lot of cool stuff coming up. And so we're going to talk about in this first, we want to wish everybody a happy new year. Mm-hmm. Every, all of our supporters, all the people that watch, even our haters, we're wishing you a happy new year too. Right. I don't care about them people. I wouldn't wish them happy new year. <laughs> We can have a bad New Year's if I'm oh, concerned. Okay. <laughs> I, I would, but I do. Trey, I was trying to be nice. Well, you can be nice. I'm finished being nice. The, the <laughs> thing is, uh, I do wish uh, uh, there's a lot of good people out there. So I, I do, and not jokingly, I wish everyone a happy New Year. No doubt about it. I want, you know, I want I want everybody to enjoy life and enjoy their year and do good things in their life. Yeah, I think. But, People, people need to people, you know, you know, just do your own, <laughs> be your, be, be your own, uh, do your own thing and, but do good, you know? Yeah. Always be good. Yeah. And be good to other people. Be yeah. nice. Be nice. Do That's not right. lie. Do not lie about, uh, That's do right. not lie about, don't lie about train. and don't lie about myself. You know, just the bottom line is keep your name out of their mouth. Right. <laughs> my name out of their mouth will be good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I was going to bring up, uh, and I'm paraphrasing very specifically because I'm just going uh, off the top of my head, but you brought up something that there's some really good people. We have great supporters out there. There's a lot of really, really nice people. I mean, because, you know, we've been doing this for so long. Now I can, um, you do it so long and people support you and 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 do like you ask. Like, hey, you know, leave me a comment. Let me know what you think of this episode. Uh, like it and share it. We see that type of stuff, Spog. I, so now I'm starting to, uh, I can be familiar with people's names, like I, uh, screen names, because some of them are not their real names on that. And I'm like, I recognize people now. You're starting to to grow your community as of people that you can count on to, to tune into your show and to leave positive things and uh, to, to appreciate what you do, you know, That's to right. appreciate the extra mile that you go uh, to do these videos and uh, history shows. Exactly. And the problem is, is uh, the thing that I was going to paraphrase from the Bible is I think it talks about little foxes spoiling the vine. So what it is, is these little things, these, the people that are not nice, that are constantly attacking, constantly doing things can be very discouraging, Mm -hmm. but it never fails that whenever something discouraging happens, the Lord always lines up something where somebody that's very encouraging pops up and goes, Hey man, I just want you to know that you're what you're doing. Got me through a dark time in my life, or I really enjoy what you're doing or whatever it may be. And there's people that want to stop that. Why? I don't know. Uh, other than just evil, you know, I'm going to just call it like it is. It's just evil. Well, I'll tell you it's jealousy. Well, it's jealousy. Yeah. That's all it is. So and, I, and it's sad. I'm not going to say that, but, but anyway, let's, let's move on to other stuff. So okay. this is the beginning of 2024. Um, and I did something in my life, which is a lot of people 
Some people do this in their life. Some people never do this in their entire life. I grew up in an area that I basically stayed in for the first 35 years of my life. Mm -hmm. Then I uprooted my family and moved to a completely different place and started over again. And so I lived in Eastern North Carolina. I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina and raised in Eastern North Carolina. I lived in uh, over a period of those years. I lived in Greenville, North Carolina. I lived in Raleigh, of course. I lived in Greenville. Uh, we lived in Virginia, in Richmond, Virginia for a very short time. Trey and I actually went to Virginia and filmed a story about me at about five years old. You remember that at the James River? Yep. And uh, there was a thing that we saw at the James River that I could see in my mind. And the last time I had seen that was more than 50 years ago. Yeah. And we were trying and, to find the exact hiding yeah. place of your of that ticket. Yeah. And I could find, I could see that staircase, the spiral staircase. You remember that? Yeah. Bringing up a spiral. Yeah. Spiral yeah. And we only, and I remember being on that spiral staircase as about a four or five year old. So I, the next time I went, I think I was 56 at the time. Wow. And so the last time I saw that literally was over 50 years ago, which you know how you have these snapshots in your mind mm -hmm. and different people have snapshots and, and some people don't have snapshots at all. Um, and I'm not going to name any names, but I know two people personally that say that they don't have those, those, they can't, they can't envision a scene or an object in their mind. And mm -hmm. there's a name for that. Um, and it's to, it's someone that, you know, very, actually very well, Trey, and you may not know that she has this, uh, but it's, it's an interesting thing. But anyway, I have snapshots of my life from a certain time. Now, I don't remember probably being two years old, but I can remember three and a half, four. I have snapshots from that time period on. In fact, um, I just went back to North Carolina for Christmas and I stopped by a home that I lived at that I can remember. It's the first home that I ever, that I have memories of living in. And uh, it's a little uh, white uh, siding house that sits on a corner. And my first memories of that house, and I've talked about this in some videos before, is I remember my dad buying a boat that had four wheel, had four tires, tandem wheels. Mm -hmm. And I can remember playing in the boat in the front yard, sitting in the driveway. I remember playing under the boat. I remember uh, playing around the bushes in the front yard. I can remember standing on the front porch. I can remember my dad bringing a backhoe home and me riding in the bucket of the backhoe and my mother standing out in the yard just screaming because she was terrified I was going to get hurt. Yeah. And I can remember um, there was a school right down the street and and the kids would walk home from school. And I could remember climbing up in a tree and watching the kids come home from school and seeing a boy on a bicycle get hit by a Corvette. And what it was is the boy was was making the turn at the corner. My tree was right on the corner. He was making the turn and the Corvette was turning like that and just didn't didn't do that. They cut it like that and they didn't hurt the boy. It just knocked him over. But I was standing, I was in that tree and I watched him get knocked over in that front yard. And we lived there. Um, from there, we moved to Richmond, Virginia. And then I went to the first grade when we moved back to Greenville. So I think I was about, I was between uh, three and five years old at that home, somewhere in that neighborhood. I also remember a neighbor uh, my dad and mom went and saw Charlie Pride, believe it or not, a concert. And we stayed with me and my brother. Vance stayed with a neighbor. Her name was Bonnie. And that house is still there. There's a creek beside the house. So I went to that house. Anyway, I'm telling a long story to get to the house. When I was there recently, I went and stopped at the house. And um, it was for rent. There was nobody in it. That's the first time I've stopped there. I've stopped there many, many times over the years. I've never seen it when nobody was there. Okay. So I was able to walk up to the house, stand on the porch, look through the windows, take pictures, walk around the house. And I even called the rental company to ask them if I could go inside of it, but it had already been rented, sadly. And so, but I took pictures. I could see through the windows and took some pictures and it brought back a lot of memories. 
Do you have anything like that that you could think of that y'all that y'all move from a house that you've gone back to? Kind of like mm -hmm. we do with the with the history stuff, the Elvis stuff. Mm -hmm. I did. I um uh you know, the first house I ever lived in, we lived there for, uh, for a for a long time and then lived in another house uh, probably yeah. in the 90s. And I have, you know, I have memories from the first house, of course, because that's where I was born, uh, grew up at. And How then, old were you when you left that house? Um, at like seven or eight. Oh, okay. So you do have some memories of that house then. Yeah. Oh, of course. Those of course. are your formidable years. Yeah. And I went back to that house a few years ago and knocked on the door and went inside and stuff. And it was so much smaller than That's I ever very good. Isn't that funny how when you're a kid, it looks giant. When you go back, it looks small. You know, and I went to my room uh, that I remembered and I just couldn't believe how much smaller the whole place was. So I was like, I realized why my mom and dad moved mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, at a certain point, you know, because we moved to a much larger house. Um, and, uh, and, but the backyard in that first house was just like I remembered. Uh, and it was cool walking back there. And there was a creek in the very back that we used to play in. And then there was a, a fence where a, a horse used to come up and we would feed the horse from our, our neighbors, he would come through the woods and we'd give him apples and stuff. And I don't think that fence was there any longer, but you know, I remember the, one of those fences where a barbed wire fence where the horse can come in. Uh, uh, our, our neighbors were still living across the street and I have very great memories with our neighbors. They used to um, watch over us and uh, walk, uh, walk my brother and I down the road to the Creek. And we used to, that was like a, it was like a big deal for us in the afternoons. We got to walk down to the creek, to the uh, to the not the creek, but the bridge. It was like a little bridge where the creek went under, of course, and uh, it was just on the road. But it was down at the end of our road, and of course, as kids, you couldn't walk down that far. Yeah, so that was like a thrill to walk down that road and back. Did you see them while you were there? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I went over and visited a few hours with with my neighbors. That's and, very cool. Uh, 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 they, uh, they had a, um, um, uh, the guy had a, uh, a, uh, a workshop built in the backyard that, uh, my brother and I used to spend a lot of hours up there and he actually would build us stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. we still have, uh, my parents still have things that was built for me and my brother, uh, by our neighbor and that workshop's still there, of course. Wow. Uh, the, the, unfortunately the dog's not there. Uh, Alex was the dog's name. It was a really, uh, yeah, it was a, a, a lab, a yellow lab, really great dog. I remember that dog. And I remember, uh, I remember, uh, uh, my neighbor would have, um, banana popsicles. So we would, we'd get a lot of banana popsicles. I love banana popsicles. So, you know, it was, a, it was a treat to go across the street. Uh, to hang out with our neighbors. And we did that. There's a lot of good, good memories with, um, with uh, uh, Carol and Henry were their names. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, uh, so going back to that house and the other neighbors still live there that I remember they were still in the house next door when I went and visited. So they were all thrilled to see me, mm -hmm. you know, but man, I walked inside the den and I'm thinking like, man, this is a lot smaller than what I remember as a kid. Like as a kid, it's so big. Isn't it funny? And I was like, well, man, this is so much smaller than I ever envisioned uh, uh, doing that. Well, the uh, I, I just love to go back and reminisce. And we lived, you know, over the years, I lived in, in several different houses. But getting back to this house in Raleigh, the one I'm talking about, it was on Sprank Street uh, was the name of the street. And uh, something my dad reminded me of, because I saw my dad while we were there, we were, we actually went out reminiscing and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but he reminded me, and, and it's funny, you know how things on a Seinfeld episode come full circle? It's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird that now, remember, I was a little boy at the time. I mean, I was five years old, roughly or less. And the guy that lived directly behind us, the ha my house was on the corner and it was down here, but the backyard went up like that. So the house behind us was on a hill. So the street beside the house went up a hill. I went up there to his house. His last name was Roman, Mr. Roman. Yeah. 
and I turned the water hose on. I had what I did was I turned the the water on and was trying to get the hose on it and couldn't. I couldn't get the water to turn off, so I just left it. Yeah. Well, he's out of town, so he comes back and the water had been running in his backyard for like a week. Oh man, Billy! He, he was livid, screaming at my mom. I remember that. What's so funny is years later when we lived in Greenville. Mr. Roman lived in Greenville. My mother ran into him. Oh man. You know? <laughs> and he of course brought that up, you know, as the first first thing that he mentioned was me turning his water on. Yeah. And um but just as a kid, you know, you get into all these uh little things and we lived at a house in um we lived at a house in Greenville. You know, I mentioned we went to Richmond. And remember, we tried to find the apartment in Richmond and we couldn't find it. Yeah. Remember, I talked to my dad and he couldn't give me an exact. um, I could see it. I remember it being on a hill, but I I just I could not pull it together enough to get to it. But we were close to it where we were at. But we went to a house, the house in Greenville. I've never been able to get up to it because I've never uh, and I was only there in the first grade, but I've never been there when there wasn't somebody living in the house. Mm -hmm. And I have it thought about going and knocking on the door, but I guess I should do that. But the house after that, which I have a lot of memories of would have been second grade to the end of the fourth grade. So, um, so that that's where uh, we lived and it was a farm. So on the farm, we had pack houses behind it, barns, and there was uh, cows snakes a lot of snakes scary that's where i have my i i i don't like snakes at all i mean mm-hmm. not even a little but yeah. we also had a lot of pets we had dogs and cats we had on that at that house there was wild uh they call them feral cats manixes i think they're called man- manx or manix they don't have a tail they're bobtail they look like cats but they don't have a tail and they're all like that so when they would have a litter of them it would be all these cats with no tails unbelievable and uh at that house but i just uh i love going back and you know what we're doing is doing the same thing with all this other history all we're doing is going back but we don't have a memory of it we're going back to bring somebody else's memory forth yeah i wonder because you know like i just said like uh, that the house was so much smaller than i remembered so what it would be like for elvis to go back to the lamar house or the get well house uh, or all the way back to Lauderdale. What would that, what after Elvis was living at Graceland for 20 years, what would it have been like for him to go back to Lauderdale apartments and just walked around in there? It had to be surreal. And I, I wonder if he did go do that. I mean, we all have that in us. We want to do stuff like that. Did Elvis. And we know that he did with uh, Nick Adams he went back to the stuff for the rebel without a cause, the James Dean stuff. We do. So I feel like I want to go do that. You feel like you want to go do that. Mm-hmm. Do other people. So mm-hmm. guys, if y'all uh, put comments down there, if you've been inclined to go back to a childhood home or a place that you did things or a place that you had fun, if you've gone back to reminisce about that, uh, put it down in the comments. Tell us about that. Because I think that's a an interesting thing. Is that innate in all people, or is that just people like us that want to go back and capture history? Yeah, there in that in that um, that house that I was talking about across the street is you know that's where uh, I lived when we had that bad blizzard of '93, and my dad had um, was at a coaching clinic, uh, actually in Auburn, and uh, he couldn't get home. Cause he was snowed in, he there couldn't get home, and we lost power at that house. <clears throat> and it was my mom, myself, and my brother, and my uh, ma- uh, mama and papa lived with us too. And uh, and uh, so we all stayed in the back bedroom. I remember we just all just stayed in the bed at, uh, pretty much all day. I never remember being cold or anything. And uh, my mom let us go outside and play in the snow, and the snow was above our waist. Yeah, I do have those memories, but our neighbor who I was talking about, they were such a good, good neighbors, so good people. They, uh, uh, Henry actually brought us a heater. Mm-hmm. He had one of those, um, the kerosene or yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. and it kept us warm. Yeah. 
So you can one room in the house. He can't, and we stayed in the back room. I think my mom put uh she put sheets all around the bed. Yeah. All around the bed. And this was my mama and papa, my mom and my me and my little brother. Uh we were all in that bed together. That see, those are banner days. That's things that you remember. Um and it was it was a week. It was over a week. Like really? my dad couldn't get back home. Uh because I mean he couldn't get home for four or five, six days. Uh, uh, and, um, and we didn't have power for all those days. And, uh, but, uh, our neighbor came through, he made sure that we had that, that heater. So that, that's pretty cool. Let's see how, cool. how good people are, you know, you have to put a, uh, a kettle on top of that heater to, to, um, uh, put air, wa- uh, water in the air. Yeah. To was, that was 93. Yeah, 1993, and I was like five years old, six yeah. years old. My brother like would because if you don't, it'll dry you out on those kerosene heaters. Oh, there, there's a lot of people back in the day that only had kerosene heaters in their house. That's incredible, man. Wow. In the- we stayed in that room, man. We stayed in that room for like a week. We had a blizzard in North Carolina at a house that we lived at when I was sixth grade, sixth, seventh, eighth. Ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, basically six, six through twelve. I lived it with my mother and my father at different times, but my dad lived in that house. And I can remember a blizzard that on the front of the house, it covered the the front door, the top up. You know, it, it wasn't that it that it was that it snowed 10 foot deep, but what it did was snow drifts blew up to the front of the house on that side. It was still really deep. It was three. I'd guess three feet deep, roughly. And uh, that was the only time I remember it snowing like that anywhere. Uh, and that was around 76, 77. And people have to understand if, if it, we have a blizzard in the South, you know, we're finished. We're not ready for that. We're, yeah. we're finished and we were, we're shut down for a while. And that's where we were. And because it was, a, you know, my dad said it, he coached a football game that Thursday, uh, like two days before in shorts mm. uh, there. So that's how our weather is, you know, and uh, but I, I don't think anybody was expecting what how bad it was, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and the worst thing is, a lot of people like like we did lost power, so yeah. people were cold. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, if you don't have a way of keeping warm, it's very very dangerous. Yeah, kind of like, and I feel so sorry for this tsunami that's just happened in the earthquake in Japan, man. That the that is horrible. I mean. Look, it's one thing for a tornado to come through your neighborhood and touch this house, touch that house, or a snowstorm to come, and then in three days it's gone. It's another thing for a flood to come and everything is gone. You know, yeah. I just can't about, even imagine. Talking about that is, how bad is your uh, your city? Are they recovering from? Yeah, it was not the, the damage. And don't get me wrong, there was some damage this time, but it was very, very mild compared to some other times. Uh, there was a business or two that were flattened, but for the most part, it it was a lot of superficial stuff for the most part, you know. Um, and I'm not uh, downgrading what happened to those poor people because people did, their homes got damaged and things like that happened. Uh, but for the most part, it was pretty basic. You know, it was pretty simple, uh, pretty, pretty light damage uh, compared to some things that I've seen prior to that in, in uh, Hendersonville. Um, so I was going to tell you, my dad's a pool builder. I grew up in the pool business. My, my father and his brothers were, most of them were pool builders, swimming right. pool builders. That was kind of a family business, if you will. And my dad built, built pools. And last year, well, actually it was the year before last now we're in 2024. So December, not this past December, but December before I have memories of me being 16 years old. And my dad building a swimming pool on Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, on the beach um, at a a place. I couldn't really envision the place very much, but I could envision the swimming pool and where it was as opposed to other things on Atlantic Beach. And back then, it was not nearly as grown up as it is now. Now, there's a lot of homes on the beaches and that kind of stuff where that's uh, not that's not a, a... a thing that happened until probably the last 30 or 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, my granddaddy told me in the 50s, he had an opportunity to buy land 
at this beach for a hundred dollars an acre and no, and they couldn't sell it. Nobody wanted it <laughs> because they didn't think anybody was ever going to build anything down there. Now a, a one acre of land would be a million dollars. Probably a lot of money, <laughs> crazy money. And so uh, I went and picked my dad up. He just turned 79 and I called him and said, dad, I want to, um, I won't come pick you up and let's just ride and reminisce and look at stuff. And I want to take you and show you something. So last year I had gone and found that swimming pool. And so this year I took him to a pool that he built over 40 years ago. In fact, about 43 years ago that is still working and still holding water and people are still using it. And it was just a good time. And I filmed it, of course. Yeah, I was, it was a good time to take him. It was a fun day. We had a banner day where we went and just talked about all the different things growing up. He talked about, I've mentioned it before, he loves to go floundering. You remember I mentioned that he would take the battery out of the car and we would use that to light the flounder light and then hope it would start the car. Yeah. And so we talked about things like that. And he showed me, well, right here's where I would normally put in with the flounder. You know, when I go flounder and this is where I would put the boat in, this is where this would happen. So we went, we spent the day doing that and just reminiscing. And I took him to that pool, which was a lot of fun to go back. And he hadn't seen that since back then when he built it. How did he react to that? He thought that it was very cool. He built that thing in about 1980. I would have been about 16 years old in 1980, 81. So it was 80 or 81. And so it's been 42, 43 years, roughly. Yeah. Um, that he built that swimming pool and he just thought he was proud that he had built something that stood the test of time. And it's very close to the ocean. And when I say close to the ocean, the swimming pool is here. And you know how they'll have a set of steps over the sand dune? Oh, yeah. You literally go through the pool area. There's a, a gate on the backside. You open that gate and you go up steps and over the dune and the ocean's right there. Yeah. I bet it's not a football field link from that pool. It's probably not that far. It's it's about I'm gonna say a half a football, 150 yards. Well, how did you how did you do it? Did you just like drive out there and walk out there, or did you tell him? Yeah, we pulled up to the place, and we pulled up to the to the side, and I told him what we were doing, okay. you know, and um, and we pulled up and just parked, and then walked around the side, walked down to the pool, and walked around. Now, when we came back, I set the glory up. I told him, I said, Dad, I want you to fly the glory. And let's, let's do an aerial and show how close the pool is to the ocean. And so we sent it up. And, and then a guy that was doing landscaping came over and said, what are you guys doing? Yeah. You know, so we had to tell him. And my dad uh, mentioned his name. He said, yeah, you know, I remember your name. I remember seeing you in some of the documents for the swimming pool stuff for this complex. Okay. I recognized him and, and was cool after that. But he was like, you know, are you guys breaking in? What are y'all doing? Yeah, that kind of thing. So it was it was a cool day. It was a fun day. And of course, you know, he's 79 years old. So, you know, you want to spend as much time as you can, you know. Exactly. But your dad was happy with uh, his work. <laughs> it was happy. And that night when we got back, I took him I took him home and, and I sat and talked for a little while. And as I was leaving, he said, well, now let me know when you want to do that again. Yeah. So he had a good time. So I told him next time I want to go to Raleigh. And let's show where, because he worked in the in the days when I lived in the house on Frank Street. He worked for uh, Ready Mix Concrete. He drove a concrete truck. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, go back and show me where Ready Mix was. And let's go to where the house was that I was born in. I don't recall the house, but I know the address. Yeah. I've been there. And let's go and talk about all these different things and different stories. He's got stories there uh, in Raleigh about where he had finally talked his father into letting him use the car. This would have been 55-ish. Yeah. And uh, he had finally talked him into letting him use the family car. And him and my uncle, I think it was Uncle Bobby. Um, and Uncle Bobby's uh, still alive, still with us, and lives in Raleigh, has a very successful business in Raleigh. Um, but anyway, he said that him and Bobby – were driving in the car and they were so tickled to have the car. And he went to back then you would drink uh uh Pepsi Coke and all that in metal in glass bottles. Yeah. You know, and it was you routinely threw them out the window. And I've even mentioned this the house that I was telling you about where the snowstorm happened in the 70s, if I wanted to get a drink in a candy bar and I didn't have any money, 
I would take a bicycle and ride to the store and put a box on my bicycle and I would pick up bottles and I could get enough bottles, glass bottles off the side of the road to buy a Pepsi and a candy bar at the store by taking the bottles and, and trading them in for a dime a piece. Exactly. So you yeah. had to do that early on. Yeah. yeah. And I uh, so, but anyway, dad was driving and uh, finished his Coke or his Pepsi. He liked Pepsi, finished his Pepsi and threw it out the window, but he didn't have the window rolled down and it busted the window. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> Another time he actually shot himself when he was five years old, he found the bullet. It was on the front porch hitting it with a hammer. And when it went off, it shot him in the wrist. Oh, God. No. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so all these, I just love those kinds of stories of things that happened, happened way back then. And uh, that's just fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and we're doing what we do with Elvis with our loved ones. Exactly. And, uh, and I ran the camera the whole time that he was in the truck because he was telling me stories. Yeah. Even though I wasn't pointing at him, I had the audio of it, you know. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I wanted to bring up in this is growing up in Eastern North Carolina, and I want to know if other people have um, experienced this, you get used to the food there. I grew up there. The first 35 years of my life, I lived in Eastern North Carolina with the exception of less than a year in Richmond, Virginia. Other than that, I lived there the whole time. And I love the food. My wife will tell you that the food in North Carolina is better than the food is anywhere on the earth. And so this time when we go back, and of course, we live in Nashville now. We've been here 23 years. Um, and when I go to North Carolina, I don't crave food from Tennessee. But when I'm in Tennessee, I do crave food from North Carolina. So do you have any foods that you just really, really like that are that are kind of an Alabama thing that you can think of? Uh, well, I mean, not really, I guess. I just know I like the sweet tea because you go out to California and don't order no sweet tea out there. <laughs> so when I first moved to Nashville, there was no sweet tea in Nashville. I moved here uh, in 2000 at the end of 1999. Yeah. And you go to a restaurant, no sweet tea. It was all unsweet. Well, I just remember, I, I remember going to, uh, or I think it was Las Vegas, and I ordered some sweet tea, and they brought me some sweet tea, and I drank it, and I like spit it out. And I was like, what is this? And it was like <laughs> raspberry tea or yeah. something. And I, I had to end up getting <clears throat> pepper or coke or something I, I couldn't drink that crap. And, uh, and they told me that, yeah, that was a little different out there. So I've always remembered that. I, you know, anytime I've gone out west, I never get any sweet tea. Well, we have a place here called Demos, or some people would call it Demuses. I think the owners call it Demuses. And there's one, the original one, I think, was in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. There's one in Lebanon. There's one here in Hendersonville. And it's a, uh, an Italian restaurant, um, family-owned, and the food is great there. But the thing that always stuck out to me there is that's one thing. Now, I will say, whenever we have friends come, family come, we always take them to Demos, Demos or Demos, because it's a thing that you can only get around here. And that does ring true to them that they like that particular uh, restaurant. But they don't have sweet tea. What they would bring you is unsweet tea and liquid sugar. So it'd be a thing where you could pour the sugar and liquid sugar will mix with the tea where granular sugar will not mix with the tea. So um, they figured out how to uh, outdo that. But I wanted to go back to North Carolina food. So North Carolina style, what I call North Carolina style seafood, which is what they call calabash style. It is it's fried popcorn shrimp, fried oysters, fried scallops, fried fish. Um, it would be uh, hush puppies. Um, uh, crab cakes where they take the shell and they put uh, uh, this mixture inside the shell and cook it or fry it, stuff like that. And I can tell you, I have eaten seafood all over the world. There's no seafood better than Eastern North Carolina, Dixie Queen in Winterville, Sandpiper in LaGrange. Um, there's some that are close. There's a, there's a, a chain of seafood uh, restaurants called, um, 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to think of it or not, but I, there's one in Asheville. They're kind of scattered. I think there's even one in Goldsboro, um, but it's kind of a chain and they're close. But Sandpiper in North Carolina and LaGrange, North Carolina, on Highway 70 or Dixie Queen in Winterville, anytime we go to North Carolina, we Stop usually it. eat at both of those places. We did this year. The other thing is Eastern North Carolina barbecue. Parker's Barbecue in Greenville, uh, Sam Jones Barbecue in Greenville, Starlight, which is Sam Jones' grandfather in uh, Aden, which is famous for feeding presidents, uh-huh. uh, King's Barbecue in Kenston, uh, Wilbur's in Goldsboro. There's nothing better than Eastern North Carolina barbecue. We ate at Parker's this time. I ate at Parker's and at King's. Yeah. And um, we, and we ate it actually at Sam Jones too in Raleigh. There's one in Raleigh. And man, the North Carolina barbecue. And guys, I'm not, I've never really been big on barbecue, but it's a thing where when I lived in North Carolina, I didn't appreciate it. Now that I live somewhere else and go back, you appreciate it. I can't hardly wait to get it. And I love Texas Pete barbecue, uh, uh, hot sauce on the barbecue. And I'm telling you, I ate so much barbecue that at one at Parker's, I ate a barbecue tray. Um, they have a barbecue plate or a barbecue tray. The difference is the plate is a little bit of barbecue and two sides. A tray is all barbecue. And then you can get breadsticks or uh, hush puppies. So I did all barbecue because I can get the sides anywhere. And I put that hot sauce on it and ate it with those hush puppies. And Trey, I am here to tell you, son, it is something else. And you can actually order. I think I'm going to try this. You can actually order online for Parker's and they'll put barbecue in a, a, uh, a shippable container and ship it to you. United. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to try that. Try it. That'd be a cool episode. And, um, but that barbecue is something else. Another place that we love is Ken's Grill in LaGrange and also uh, Andy's, which is now called Highway 55. Um, Andy's started out to be like this in the mall in Kinston and places like that. Now, then he graduated to um, kind of being in strip malls. Now they have freestanding of uh, uh, drive-through type restaurants like a Hardee's or a McDonald's. There's yeah. one in Gallatin now. There's one here, okay. but it's called Highway 55, and they have the North Carolina or East. I think it's called. Um, is it called East Eastern Carolina Burger? It's made the way it would be made in Eastern North Carolina. You get it comes with uh, slaw, um, which I do like. Uh, onions I don't like. Chili mustard. So what I do is get cheese, mustard, and chili on it. Sometimes I'll get slaw. Sometimes I'll leave it off. But that is really, really, really good eating. And uh, and I had a hot dog in Washington, North Carolina, at a place. I think it was called Bill's Hot Dogs, if I remember right. I may be I may be wrong, but I think it's Bill's Hot Dogs. And it was the oddest thing because North Carolina has a very specific type hot dog. The chili that was in this. almost looked white. It wasn't traditional North Carolina chili, but there was people standing in line waiting for these hot dogs. And they've been around for like 90 years. Right. And what was so funny about it was, and I filmed a little bit of it. I don't know how much of it I caught for my episode, but one of the things that's funny about it is the lady that there was a lady standing there said, look, I'm so sorry. I just ordered 20 hot dogs and I know I'm in front of you. And it's going to take them a little bit. She <laughs> said, she leaned over to me and said, they only have one speed like that. Yeah. <laughs> they were like moving in slow motion <laughs> to make 20 hot dogs. She said they never speed up. It's just, it is what it is. She said, I've seen people get mad in here, scream at them because they were moving so slow, but that's just what they do. That's how yeah. it is. Yeah. They're never going to change. That's what they do. But the place they had buns, Hot dog buns, you know how they'll roll them in on those carts off the bread truck? Right. They had stacks of those carts, stacks over my head. So they sell a lot of hot dogs. That's all they sell is hot dogs. And But there was people in line behind me. There, she was in front of me, and there was people leaving as I pulled up. But they sell evidently a lot of hot dogs. 
I think it was Bills. Let me let me look real quick. I don't want to. Yeah, I was trying to figure out when I uh, a few months ago when I was in Greensboro, I ate at a really good place and barbecue place, but it was a cool place. And I'm trying to figure out. I can't remember the name. I was looking for it, but it seemed like they had like a chain where they started like in um, Chapel yeah. Hill. It's Bill's Hot Dogs. Bill's Hot Dogs. Yep. Yep. That's in Washington, North Carolina. And uh, so what was the chain? What do you think it was? I can't remember. I'm trying to think of it. And it was just, they had a really interesting building. And inside it was all, uh, they had like old school movie theater signs. And they Mm -hmm. had, they had like an upstairs, like you were in a jail cell. Oh, yeah. You can't see that, but that was the inside. And those people are in there making hot dogs. And man, they're, I'm not exaggerating slow motion. When she said that to me, I really started paying attention. And she was not kidding. They were like, it's slow. Just moving, just barely moving. And she ordered 20 hot dogs, so it took a little while. Uh, speaking of a pizza restaurant or a restaurant with all that uh, stuff in it, back in the in the late eight, early 80s, there was a restaurant in Goldsboro that we would go to, a pizza restaurant that showed. Now, keep in mind, this is before... This is when VCRs had just come out, hadn't been out very long. They showed uh, Three Stooges uh, movies 24-7. That's all. Anytime they were open, you went in there and ate, there was Three Stooges on there. That's great. That's all they showed. And that was, I remember going there and the pizza was good. And uh, another thing is pizza. Uh, there's a pizza villa in Kinston that's really good. And there's a pizza inn in Goldsboro that we like to go eat at. And I can tell you, man, I can't get pizza like that in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I, I know it sounds weird that you wouldn't think that things would be regional like that, but there's very different. Um, it's it's just very different in the in the different areas, which is is really bizarre. Thank you. Thank you very much. Three minutes. So, friends, we have three minutes left, and uh, we're trying not to get off on tangents. I know I have a little bit, but. I'm just excited. I was excited to go back home, if you will, which is where I grew up, seeing family, uh, eating the food there, traveling and seeing things. I filmed a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, Went back to Wilmington, filmed in Wilmington, filmed in Washington, filmed. um, The problem is in North Carolina, I about covered it all. (laughs) And... um, uh, already but i'm always looking for new stuff and uh so definitely we got some cool things coming up um what's some cool stuff that you've got coming up this year trey oh i have a lot i have a lot of really cool stuff coming up i mean i uh i've i've discovered some things and filmed inside places that i think people will find interesting um we have a lot of palm springs locations that you and i will be uh releasing pretty soon uh, a lot of things that will correlate with that Elvis and Colonel book, which I hope some of you got for Christmas and are reading it with an open mind as I asked. Mm-hmm. And um, because, you know, that book, you know uh, what people need to realize, cause I've seen some, a lot of positive comments, but then there's some people that'll come in and there, but that book is actually coming from a person that lived with Colonel Parker. And not only that from documents of Colonel Parker's, yeah, there's letters from the I, colonel to Elvis and from Elvis to the colonel. And from Vernon. Mm-hmm. And but there's, so there's a lot of just information no one knows about. Uh, yeah, and there's are actual letters. And I've had and I have had comments where people go, well, why didn't he show the letters? There, that's fake. He didn't do that. Guys, there's there's copyright laws when you're dealing with the uh the uh the likeness of Elvis. So they have to tread very, very lightly when they're doing things or they're going to get sued. So they didn't want to take a chance of that and put those things out. Um, But I will tell you that I have seen some of those letters. Trey has seen some of those letters and they are real. That's not make-believe. Those are real things. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you, you, uh, I was thinking about this earlier and in 2023, you, you did something you got right, Billy. And I'm going to remind you, you put a you put you put a post out on Facebook when uh, the uh, that Elvis Netflix cartoon aired. 
Oh yeah, I told you it wouldn't make it bad. And you did a post and said that I'm just post putting this out here because they absolutely don't know that Elvis audience, and this will not last past one season. And man, you were right, Billy, because yeah. it was canceled. Yeah, so, uh, an Elvis cartoon, which could have been cool, was canceled on Netflix because you you even called it. They didn't know the Elvis audience. Yeah, right? and they turned it into trash. There was no point in what they did. It was stupid. It was scum. Yeah, it was scum. It was not. They should be ashamed of themselves. Everybody involved in that should be ashamed. Yeah, but hey, they probably have some money in their pockets. So yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> they made millions uh, by doing this this crap. So I want to bring up one more quick thing, and this is an Eastern North Carolina thing too. I had the privilege of interviewing a legend that in his field is as big as Michael Jordan is to basketball, Dale Earnhardt is to racing, Elvis is to music, and his name is Reggie Fountain, Fountain Powerboats. Okay. Yes. Is Eastern North Carolina. I've edited those videos out. I will be putting them out over the next few weeks. Reggie Fountain is the Dale Earnhardt of boat racing. He did such amazing things the fastest man on the water. Now he's in his eighties now and still competitive. He took me out in his Hellcat. I know. <laughs> and I can't, I'm not going to say what happened, but the, I made a video about it. Um, and he took me out. Let's just say he is still very much competitive. Like what made him be the, uh, the he has a movie made about him, a documentary called the King of Offshore. So Elvis is the king of rock and roll. Dale Earnhardt's the king of NASCAR. Reggie Fountain is the king of offshore boat racing. And he created Fountain Power Boats. And if you want to get tickled, if you like somebody that is a winner, I like winners. Do you like winners, Trey? I love winners. Especially when there's so much of a winner that that it's not. I think a person could be a winner and be confident, but not be arrogant. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There's a, a, a confidence that I like about a person. And Reggie Fountain is not an arrogant man. In fact, he took me into his home. I did a tour of his home. That'll come out soon. We'll show you all over his mansion. Um, and he shared all kinds of stuff with us. Could not have been a nicer man. But this dude, <laughs> when it came to boat racing, did not play games with people. And if you want to get tickled, go watch the King of Offshore, the movie, the documentary. And he did stuff like they were um they were interviewing, and I'm it's been a little while since I watched this. So I hate to even tell this story, but I'll tell this real quick. We're running a little over. He there's this guy standing in front of a boat, and they're interviewing, and the local news is like, tell us about your boat. And he's like, Yeah, this boat. Is going to be the fastest boat in the world. Well, what about what about Reggie Fountain? Oh, well, yeah, we could beat his boat by 10 miles an hour. You know, that kind of stuff. At the time, Reggie had the, the world record for the fastest boat, okay? So he had worked on his boat and made it 20 miles an hour faster than it was when it got the world record. Mm -hmm. So they interview Reggie, and he goes, this is the fastest boat in the world. And they go, well, now, how, how do you, you know, what about these other guys? He said, I'm running first. They'll never take their boats off the trailer. <laughs> and you know what? They didn't. He went out there and beat his record by like 20 miles per hour. Those yeah, other guys went home. And it just shows out there, there's a lot of talkers and then there's some walkers. That's exactly right. Two different groups of people. There are people yeah. that talk a good game and ones that actually go out there and make it happen. And That's walk. right. Yeah. There's a such thing as consistency, which is very, 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 very important. Mm -hmm. Consistency is not cockiness. Consistency is not uh, arrogance. Consistency is confidence. Yeah. And that's what makes winners is confidence. But anyway, I was lucky enough to, to interview and spend some time with Reggie Fountain. Uh, my friend Bill Stovall is friends with Reggie, and he uh, called to Reggie. We went over to his house and just hung out. And man, it was like, it's, I'm sitting down with the legend. Mm -hmm. I knew I'm not even a boat guy and I know who, what fountain power boats is. And uh, another thing that he did was he sold president Bush three boats. 
And I shouldn't say he sold them. He sold them the first two, gave him the third one. The first President Bush? H.W. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the yeah, yep. his fishing boat would go 90 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that and he I, sold. And I, I think Chuck used to do that. I think. Yeah, Chuck, well, there's we talk about Chuck Norris. There's he a, a there, he was involved in the race with Chuck Norris and beat all of them. Wow. Yeah, he I knew Chuck used to race. race for a while. That's yeah. <laughs> he talks about that. He did a thing with a fishing boat, and I'll leave you with this, which just tickles me. So they have a helicopter. He owned a helicopter that would follow his boat that had a medic and a scuba diver. In case they crashed, they could be saved, you know, and it was his own helicopter. And there's all this footage in that documentary from this helicopter. So they were in this fishing boat and they were uh, racing all these other boats and they were so far ahead of everybody else that they turned around and went back. Now, imagine this, you're in a race and the guy's coming towards you. <laughs> and then turns around and goes and passes them all again. <laughs> So he was that type of guy. Like that's the kind of guy Reggie Fountain is. <laughs> I and like that. Man. I love that. You need to watch um, uh, the King of Offshore, and that Reggie Fountain stuff will be coming out soon. Okay. And he lives uh, in uh, Fountain Power Boats is in Chocolatey, North Carolina, right outside of Washington, and an absolute legend. So, friends, this is the end of episode one, season two of Wickwall. Thank y'all so much for watching, Trey. What have you got to say to the folks? It's 2024. We're going to have a lot of great content. So get ready. Enjoy it. Subscribe to us. Uh, don't double dribble. Comment. Share. Let people know about what we're doing here. And stay tuned next week. That's right. We have 47 episodes from last year. So make sure you tell your friends. Um, uh, in the realm of podcasts, it's really hard to get an audience. Because there's a lot of podcasts. Mm -hmm. So if you like what you hear, if you like the way uh, we interact and the stuff that we talk about, tell your friends. And I'm not talking about, this is not an Elvis podcast. This is a podcast about all kinds of subjects. So tell your friends about it and get them to tune in and check us out. We're on YouTube, of course, but we're also on all the other podcast platforms on Apple, um, uh, shop, uh, Spotify, I was going to say Shopify, Spotify. We're on all those different platforms to tell you, friends. And you know what? Tighten up for 2024, every chance you get. <laughs> right? Don't double dribble.